We want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you'll be both encouraged and challenged. If you enjoy what's happening at Cowboy Junction, it would really help us out if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com give. We hope you enjoy this message. Wow, wow, wow. I just, I woke up this morning and the first thing that I read was from Christine Kane and she says, peace is not uh, the absence of a problem. Peace is presence. And ending our worship time with that song was incredible because it's nothing else but the presence of God that brings peace in our heart. So today we have a special guest for you. Um, our good friend Lance Witt from Colorado was um, scheduled to be here in person this weekend, but due to travel restrictions, uh, he has sent us a video message. Lance is an expert on soul care. Um, it's a subject that Pastor Ty and I are very passionate about right now. We couldn't have chosen a, a message for more timely than this one right now. Uh, Lance, for several years, was the executive pastor at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren. Um, he was a driven leader that ignored his own soul, soul care until he couldn't do it any longer. Uh, so he wrote a book called Replenish that has impacted every staff member here at Cowboy Junction. Uh, so today, I encourage you, Pastor Ty encourages you, he wanted me to make sure to tell you to lean in, get a pen and paper, and prepare to take notes. This message, I've already listened to it, and it is incredible. Now more than ever, we need this word. So Cowboy Junction, please get ready for my friend, Lance Witt. Hey, Cowboy Junction, it is so great to be with you. I love your pastor, Pastor Ty, Miss Heather, and the great staff team that you have here at Cowboy Junction. You know, I get to work with a lot of churches and staff teams around the country, and I just got to tell you that you are blessed to have the staff team that you have leading you here at the church. You know, these are very interesting times in which we live and in which to be alive. I had someone tell me that the worst gift they got for Christmas in 2019 was a 2020 planner. Well, I think we can throw all of those in the trash, right? It has been a wacky year of twists and turns, a global pandemic, civil unrest, hurricanes and fires, massive unemployment, economic upheaval, Schools trying to figure out how to stay open and teach kids football with no fans, a crazy presidential election. Who would have thought that a microscopic virus would bring the planet to its knees? But that's where we find ourselves right now. And the word that I have used a lot lately to describe 2020 is the word disequilibrium. It just feels like we're all off balance and trying to find anything that will bring stability in our world. It's unsettling and it's unnerving and it feels like life is just a little bit out of control and it seems right now that we are all suffering from a little bit of spiritual vertigo, of life just feeling unsettled and unbalanced. But there is one thing that in this world that seems out of control, that you actually have full control of. And that's what I want to share with you today. Today, I want to talk about something that every single one of us have in common. Whether you're male or female, young or old, no matter what your ethnic background or financial kind of situation is right now, you have one of these. 
In fact, you've had it your entire life. Everywhere you go, it goes with you. You've never lived one minute without it. You can't get rid of it. It's going to be with you forever. And what I'm talking about is your soul. You know, I don't know if any of you ever saw sort of a kind of poorly done B-rated movie called Bedazzled. But in Bedazzled, um, Elizabeth Hurley, who plays the devil, is having a conversation with Brendan Fraser, who's really the principal character of the movie. And she promised him seven wishes for anything he would want in life in exchange for his soul. And it begins this sort of interesting exchange between them. And he says, I can't give you my soul. And she said, why not? Do you even know what your soul is? And he says, well, yeah, it's that thing. You know, it, it floats around. And she says, can I tell you something? Souls are overrated. They don't ever do anything. Has yours done anything for you lately? Souls are just kind of like your appendix. You won't even miss it when it's gone. And so Brendan Fraser pauses for a moment and he says, well, hey, if it's so useless, how come you want it so much? And I think for a lot of my life, if you had followed me around and observed how I spent my time and what I thought about and sat in on the meetings I had and looked at the books that I read, you probably would have concluded that Lance thinks souls are overrated. But, but I want to remind you, and I want to remind me today, that your soul, the unseen, eternal part of you, it's the real you. It's the essence of, of who you are. I mean, you could walk out of here today and be in an accident, and they might have to amputate your arm, but it doesn't change fundamentally who you are. You could have a kidney transplant, and it wouldn't change who you are. I can even tell you from experience that you can lose your hair, and it doesn't change who you are, because who you are is not defined by a body part, but who you are is defined by the essence of your soul. Someday, your body is going to wear out and die. Someday your heart is going to beat for the last time and they're, they're going to stick your body in the ground and they're going to pronounce you dead. But I've got good news for you. You're not dead. Your soul, the real you, is alive and well if you're a Christ follower and your death, the death of your body is nothing more than your transition into heaven because the real you is not your body. The real you is your soul. So think about how much time and energy you put in to taking care of your body, even this morning. You know, you primped and cleaned and washed and shampooed and maybe exercised and fed and some of you painted, you know, your body all before 8 a.m. this morning, all to take care of a body that is someday gonna wear out, get old, and eventually die. So doesn't it make sense that you and I would learn how to pay attention to the real us, who you are on the inside, at the, at the level of your soul. In fact, think of it like this. I think you'll understand this illustration. Your soul is like the operating system on your smartphone or your computer. When you turn on your screen, what you see are the apps, the programs, the external stuff. But running behind all of those applications is an operating system. And it's the operating system that makes all of those work together. And when the operating system goes down, everything begins to go down. So let me share with you a verse out of the book of Proverbs where Solomon said, He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who cherishes understanding prospers. 
So I want to go to God's word today and get some wisdom that will help us have a healthy soul. Now, as I look back over my life, no one ever really taught me how to have a healthy soul or taught me much about my, my inner life. Now, I would have known, and even as a pastor would have known theologically that I had a soul, that Jesus died for my soul, that my soul was on the way to heaven, but it would have never really dawned on me that my soul would have much application to my everyday life. It would have never dawned on me that I should actually learn to pay attention to my soul. And by the way, this is very consistent with the teachings of Jesus. Jesus taught that, that life is inside to outside. It always goes from the, the root to the fruit. In fact, in some of the most harsh words Jesus taught, he taught to the Pharisees, and he said to them, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, that life goes from the invisible to the visible. And Solomon would say to us in Proverbs chapter 4, above everything else, guard your heart, guard your inner life, pay attention to your soul, because everything you do flows out of it. But it's hard to do that, because everything in our culture these days is all about externals. But I want to give you a passage of Scripture that I think is going to help us know how to live from a healthy soul, even in these crazy times. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, God invites Israel into this life of blessing. And he says to them, if you'll return to me, I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. I, I want to give you um, bumper crops. I want to increase your number. I'll protect you from your enemies. And he says, I'll delight in you and you'll delight in me. And so God offers this amazing, abundant life. And in this invitation are really four pillars of a healthy soul. And so I want to walk through them with you in the few minutes that I have today. Number one is this. You have to take personal responsibility for the health of your own soul. Dallas Willard said it like this. Our soul is like a stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other area of life. He goes on to say, you didn't create the stream. God planted the stream of your soul in your life at the moment that you were conceived. But here's the punchline. You are the keeper of the stream. As Henry Cloud says, you are ridiculously in charge of your life. And so after God gives Israel this amazing offer of an abundant life, he says to them in Deuteronomy 30 verse 11, now what I'm commanding you today, it's not too difficult for you and it's not beyond your reach. It is accessible. It's available. It's, it's yours for the taking. And there is tremendous hope in those words. And later on in that passage, he would say this word of invitation, it's near you. It's in your mouth and your heart so that you might obey it. And one of the best days of your life is the day that you begin to take ownership and responsibility for the health of your own soul. It's not up to your spouse, it's not up to your boss, it's not up to your, your pastor. You can't blame it on your pastor, how you were raised, it's available. I love 2 Peter chapter 1 where Peter says, everything that you need for life and godliness, God has already given you. Not just godliness, but everything you need for life, God has already given you. And so I'm not a victim when I think back about a season of life when I was an executive pastor at Saddleback Church out in California, my life was kind of out of control. I struggled with workaholism. Um, the pace of my life was unsustainable. I tried to live as though I didn't have any limits. I just worked all of the time. And often I would play the victim card. 
and often it played out the ugliest at home. Some of our biggest fights in those years were around the pace of my life and how I was never home. And even when I was home, I wasn't really home. And one day my wife looked at me with tears in her eyes and with frustration in her voice. She said, there's always a reason or a season why you can't be who you're supposed to be. And she was right. She was helping me to see that I am the keeper of the stream of my soul I can't be a victim any longer. And I began to really own the health of my own life and my own soul. And you see, just like some of you, I have been neglecting my inner life. I was doing a lot of good things, a lot of good things for God. But the stream of my soul was drying up. And so in recent years, I've been learning this very important principle. Self-care is not selfish. It's good stewardship. You've got to take responsibility to manage the one and only life you've been given. And to, to own that. And think of it like this. When you take your car, your truck in for an oil change, and you, you drop it off at Jiffy Lube, and you sit there in the waiting room, what you don't think to yourself is, you selfish car. You, you egotistical truck. I can't believe you are so needy. <laughs> no. By stopping and pausing and performing the needed maintenance, you actually add longevity and life to your vehicle. The same thing is true in your life. In Deuteronomy 30, that same chapter in verse 19, God sort of draws a line in the sand and throws down the gauntlet, and he says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you, listen to this, life and death, blessings and curses. And then here comes the challenge. Now, choose life. I get to choose. You get to choose what kind of life you're going to have. And he says, not only so that you may live, but also so that your children would live. That's so personal. It's about you finding life, about the quality of your life. And I am convinced that today, some of us, what really is going on in us is that we don't just want a different kind of job or a different kind of house or a different level of income. We want a different kind of life. And by the way, the choices that we make about this impact our kids because he says, not only so that you would live, but your children will live. So you've got to own the health of your own soul. Here, here's the second pillar. And I would say it in these words, pursue Jesus first. You can't have a healthy soul without having a real, ongoing, meaningful, vibrant connection to Jesus. Jesus said, the greatest commandment in all of the Bible is not for you to make a difference with your life, not for you to take care of your family. The greatest command is that you would love God with everything that's in you. In the New Testament, Paul would say in the book of Philippians, that everything else in life is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And in Deuteronomy 30, it seems to me that after Paul or after uh, God throws down this challenge, he now comes back and puts some flesh on it in verse 20 with three different things. And so I want to read to you verse 20 of Deuteronomy chapter 30. He says, so that, I want you to choose life, so that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. So how do you love the Lord your God? You can't do it apart from spending time regularly in the word of God. And so here's my challenge to you. 
learn to read the word of God relationally. You know, I grew up in a very word-centered kind of environment. We believed the Bible from cover to cover. But often when I would go to the Bible, I would read it informationally to learn truth, to expand my understanding and knowledge of God. But in recent years, I've been coming to Scripture and starting off my time in the Word by saying, God, I'm here to meet with you as a person that you want to speak to me and I want to be open to you and and, and I remember when Connie and I first started dating, this was way before the days of cell phones and unlimited minutes and Twitter and FaceTime and Facebook. We lived 600 miles apart and we only had enough money to call each other once a week. But when we couldn't talk to each other, the thing we did to stay connected is we wrote love letters to each other. And listen to this, every day for a year, I wrote her a love letter. And every day for a year, she wrote me a love letter. And I got to tell you, when I went to my, uh, the mail room in my dorm and I opened that mailbox and I pulled out that letter, I want to tell you, I did not just read that letter informationally. I didn't do word studies on the Greek and Hebrew words or the historical context. No, I read them very relationally because I knew behind those letters was a person who loved me and wanted to be in relationship with me. And I think we're in the middle of this very confusing time in history, and it's hard to figure out what God is up to. But here's what I want you to know. It's a really important spiritual principle. It's our nature to look for reasons, but it's God's nature to offer relationship. We want to focus on the why, but God wants to focus on the who. It's God's higher value to teach you how to trust him in the midst of your doubts rather than always provide answers that erase your doubts. So I think right now, especially in this moment in history, we want to learn how to do life with God, not just for God. How to have unhurried time to linger over scripture and times of personal worship and listening in prayer. So before I move on, can I just ask you, how are you doing with this one? How's your relationship with Jesus? Has it become stale, kind of mechanical, distant? Is it time for you to reconnect and make the first part of your day pursuing Jesus? That's a key to a healthy soul. Here's a third pillar for having a healthy soul, and that is to listen to his voice. And that means I gotta shut off the noise around me and learn to create space and be quiet means I have to slow down. It means I have to hurry less. And again, I know that most of you don't know me well, but gosh, I've struggled with this my entire life. Struggled with workaholism, being compulsively busy, filling every second of my day. And it's often been exhausting. And I think rooted in my behavior was I believe this lie. And the lie is that busy people are important people. And so I would find my identity and my significance and value and what I did and what I accomplished and it kept me kind of living at this insane pace and I didn't understand my limits and that actually the limits given to me by God were actually a gift and, and so only in recent years have I begun to learn how to create space in my life. You can't live life at warp speed without warping your soul. And I have to learn to live this rhythm of life that intentionally creates space to be with God, to hear his voice, to have rest. 
And Jesus modeled this for us. I love in Mark chapter 1, after Jesus has this incredibly busy day of ministry, um, he teaches in the synagogue, he casts out demons, he heals people, he goes over to Peter's house for lunch, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then the Bible says that night they brought to, uh, to his doorstep every person in town who was sick and demon-possessed. Unbelievable. And so before he drops his head on the pillow that night, he casts out more demons and heals more people. And then the very next verse says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left, not to go out and do more ministry, but to go to a solitary place, to be alone with his Father. And, and, and I think if you and I are going to thrive in this global pandemic, We've got to learn how to have a rhythm of engaging the world, working hard, but then pulling back and learning how to be quiet. I think one of the best practices I could give anybody is to learn how to do the practice of a weekly Sabbath, of setting aside a rhythm of one day in seven that is not about work, not about achieving more and striving more and gaining more and making more but as a day about rest and replenishment and refreshing your soul. To, to put aside the busyness and the noise, to put on your smartphone, to turn off all the distractions and actually learn how to just be still. It's one of the pillars of really having a healthy soul. And let me give you the final pillar. So, so you've got to own it. You, you've got to learn how to, to pursue Jesus. You've got to learn how to create space in your life and and slow down a bit and be present with God and listen to him. And then here's the final thing. You have to make a commitment to hold fast to Jesus no matter what. Because you never know what life is going to throw at you. I mean, wow, has 2020 been evidence of that? Back in February, none of us could have predicted what we were going to go through. I love in the book of Job, Job, you remember was one of the wealthiest men of his generation. And one day Satan goes to God and says, the only reason Job serves you is because he's got it made. And God says, I'll tell you what, you can do anything to him but take his life. And so, you know, the devil destroys his crops and his livestock and his kids are killed in a freak windstorm and he loses his health. He's covered from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head and his wife is whispering in his ear, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, Job is unaware of the conversation that took place in heaven, and Job has all kinds of doubts, and there's moments when he curses the day he was ever born, but occasionally his faith just soars, and there's this one moment in the book of Job where Job says in chapter 13, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job says, I am choosing to hold fast to God no matter what's going on in my life. And I think some of us need to do the same thing whether it's cancer or COVID or a loss of a job or a prodigal child or a marriage that's struggling or, or discouragement or depression, we make the choice to hold fast to him. And listen to the last six words of that verse in Deuteronomy 30. For the Lord is your life. Not your job is your life, not your church is your life even, not your family is your life, but Jesus is your life. So if your world feels out of control, can I just tell you today, God is in control. He is not sitting in heaven, wringing his hands, wondering how all this is gonna turn out. Not only is he in control, but he is good. 
He has not forgotten you. Your situation has not escaped his glance. You are not hidden from him. He is for you and he is with you. So as I wrap up today, I want I want to conclude with this final thought. It's It's something that takes place in the sixth chapter of John where um, we read the story of the miracle that is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels, and it's Jesus feeding the 5,000 with two small fish and five small loaves of bread. And the next day after Jesus did this miracle, the crowds track him down, and they basically say to him, hey, could you do that again? Could you do another miracle? Work your magic one more time. And Jesus knows they're not really interested in being disciples. They just want to get a free meal they're just consumers and so Jesus in a very kind of firm response says to them the only reason you came looking for me today is because I fed you yesterday and then he goes on to tell them that life is so much more than food and and drink and and he begins to teach them some hard things about following Jesus and then the Bible says in verse 66 that from this time on many of those no longer followed him And then Jesus turns to the disciples and he asks them this question. Are you going to leave me too? So what about you guys? And I love Peter's response. Often when Peter speaks, he says the wrong thing, but this time he gets it right. And listen to what he says. Where would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else would we go? And I believe there's got to come a point in the life of every disciple and follower of Jesus that you drive a stake in the ground, that you draw a line in the sand, and that you say, with the one and only life that I have been given, I am choosing to cast my lot with Jesus, that we would look and we would say, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Even when everything around us seems out of control, I'm going to choose to follow you. So let these words today be your declaration of dependence. Lord, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We believe them and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Let those words settle your soul in these turbulent times. God bless you. Such a good message. Such a good message. And we are so grateful for Lance and bringing a word that is timely for right now. A couple of things that I do want to uh, make mention of that he talked about is that self-care is not selfish. Um, I talked about this many years ago when I went through my battle with anxiety. And uh, I talked about the oxygen masks that fall from the ceiling in an airplane. Uh, they tell you all the time, if you're traveling with small children and the oxygen mask fall from the, from the ceiling, to make sure and place that oxygen mask on yourself first before helping someone around you. And it's such a clear picture that if we don't take care of ourselves, then we're not gonna, any good to take care of other people. And so I just want to challenge you once again with Lance's words. Be sure 
and take inventory of your own soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. Don't let them rule you, but make sure that they're being taken care of and that you're not just ignoring them and pushing them to the side. Because God's called us all to do something great and mighty for the kingdom of God. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're unable to do those very things. Something else that he said is hold fast no matter what. Draw that line in the sand of saying, you know what, no matter what goes on in my life, I'm going to trust God right in the middle of it. You know, yesterday even, I've spent 33 days today since I've been able to hug Pastor Ty, and I'm hoping that it's only four more until that glorious day. But yesterday, my dad was taken by ambulance to the hospital. My mom had to put her dog down. My friends weren't feeling well. We were getting reports from all over the place of things going on. And there was a moment that I just sat there, and I was like, God, what is going on? I'm not sure I can take much more of this. And I was reminded by Lance's words, Heather, no matter what, you have drawn a line in the sand and you know that God is good and he is good all the time and that it's circumstances that you're going through right now do not dictate his goodness. Because if it's not good, God's not done. And I just, this last week, I watched a video, and I shared it on my Facebook page. If you haven't got a chance to check it out, do so. It's Elevation Church, and uh, it was Pastor Darius that spoke that day, and he spoke a message called, I See It Now. And you know what? We may not be able to see it right now on this side of things, but I promise you, on the other side, we will look back, and we will be able to see clearly what God was up to. And I don't want to not go through anything that is going to propel me to where God wants to take me. I'm willing to walk through the fire. I'm willing to go through the desert. I'm willing to do whatever it takes and trust God in the middle of it because I know on the other side, I will see it. I will see what God was up to. So if you're going through things right now, which I will guarantee you, you probably are, I want to pray for you. Because what Lance also said is Jesus is our life. Our life is not our job. Our life is not our small business. Our life is not even this shell of a body that we have. Our life is Jesus. So I want to pray for you in closing today. And I want to agree with you that you'll be able to do as I have done and draw that line in the sand and say, no matter what, I trust God right in the middle of what I'm going through. So let me pray for you. Father, I just stretch my hand out right now in faith. Faith is stepping out even when I don't see it. And sometimes I don't even feel it. And sometimes I just even wonder, God, is it really, do I have what it takes? But I step out in faith. And I believe, Father God, that you are good. And I say, Lord, with my mouth that I trust you. I say with my mouth that I choose life. And I pray for everyone on the other side of their, this, this camera that I'm speaking into right now. I pray, Father God, that you would meet them right where they're at. That your presence is peace. Your presence is life. Jesus, you are life. And no matter what the mountain may look like that stands before them right now, whatever the situation may be, Father God, it may look big, but it's not bigger than you. And so, God, right now, we just declare that you are good. We declare that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, we choose this day whom we will serve. And it is you, Father God. You are the king of our heart. You live on the throne of our life. And we will never turn our back from you. We know, Father God, that if it's not good, it's not done. We speak right now to COVID. It has no place and no authority on planet Earth. It must die in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are meeting people right where they're at. Your word tells us that you provide all of our needs according to your riches. Thank you, Jesus. According to your riches and glory. It's not what we have. What we have is not enough. 
but we have a Father who owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And Father, you will provide all of our needs according to your riches. So I pray right now for everyone struggling financially, everyone struggling, Father God, with their health. I thank you, Lord, that you're meeting them right where they're at. I pray that we, the church, not this building, but we, the church, would rise up and be a blessing to people in our community, to walk with our eyes open and to see what no one else sees, to see what you see, Father God, and be willing to step out of our comfort zone, to be willing to put on a mask and go and drop something off at someone's front porch, to be willing to send a gift card to somebody through the mail or through uh, the internet. But Father, show us what to do to rise up and be the church and be with your people, Father God. Meet them right where they're at. Peace is not absence from the storm. Peace is the presence of your Holy Son. And we thank you, Father God. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Cowboy Junction, I love you so much. Pastor Ty loves you. Jesus loves you. We're believing for great testimonies to come out of this season of life that we're walking through. Don't forget that you can give online. You can also mail in your offerings if you want to do so. But you can give online at CowboyJunctionChurch.com. You can also give online on our app. We are believing for great things. We want to see you back here watching with us next weekend as Pastor Ty brings a word that I believe God has been preparing him for all along. It's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. And let's help bring others back to knowing God. I love you. See you next week.